Well, as governments around the world wrestle with the challenges brought about by the rapid development and rollout of technology, there's a growing consensus that the companies producing and controlling these technologies need to be regulated. Three competing models of tech regulation are emerging from the US, China and Europe. And these approaches have different goals and ideologies at their core. So while most governments agree that tech needs to be regulated, there's no actual consensus on what regulation should look like. Anu Bradford has mapped out these competing models and efforts by the digital empires to export their approaches in her new book, Digital Empires, The Global Battle to Regulate Technology. Anu Bradford, welcome to Saturday Extra. Thank you so much for having me, Hamish. I think maybe it's worth setting out what these competing approaches are, the US model, the Chinese approach and the EU, just so we understand what it is we're, we're talking about. Yes, so the way I would describe these different models is that there is an American model that is largely market-driven. So it's really focused on this idea that we want to prioritize free speech, the free internet, and incentives to innovate. So the government takes a very marginal role, and we largely delegate the regulation to the tech companies themselves. So in contrast, the Chinese follow what I call a state-driven model. So the the big goal for the Chinese government is to make China a technological superpower. But the Chinese government also uses technology as a way to leverage it towards surveillance and censorship and propaganda in order to then maintain the control of the Chinese Communist Party. So the Europeans are often portrayed in the public conversations as being forced to choose between the U.S. model or the Chinese model. Instead, they have their third way, that what I call a rights-driven model. So it is more of a human-centric vision of digital society that focuses on protecting the fundamental rights of individuals, the democratic structures of the society, and also then ensuring that the digital transformation is more fair. So we are redistributing some of these gains from the tech companies to the public at large, to the smaller tech companies, and then to individual users. And in all of these three cases, are the models being used for more than just the purposes of of regulating new technology? Is there also this kind of geopolitical power projection dimension in all three scenarios? So absolutely. That's why I call them digital empires. So I use the term somewhat loosely, but there are some parallels to the historical empires. So if you think about the US and China and the EU and their respective regulatory models, those are not just confined to their own jurisdictions. Instead, all of them, each of them are trying to export their regulatory model. So the U.S. is exporting the private power of its tech companies that have pretty much taken over the world. China is primarily exporting the infrastructure. It is building 5G networks, undersea cables, data centers, surveillance cities along the digital Silk Road, crossing Africa um, and uh, Latin America, big parts of Asia, even Europe. And what is then the export of the European digital empire? That is the digital regulations. So the Europeans are often taking the lead in drafting the rules for the digital economy, and those are then being exported to the rest of the world. I suppose when we look at what 
is broadly occurring in the technology space, whether it's AI or, or just sort of some of the, the fundamental tech that we, we use day to day, you might be forgiven for thinking there isn't actually much regulation. So what, what are we talking about here? What, what are governments doing? So I think that's a really uh, uh, right question to ask, Hamish. There's many who say that, look, digital economy just cannot be regulated, that the true empires, the true digital empires are the tech companies themselves. And this is a really pertinent conversation now when the governments are trying to figure out how to regulate AI. There are many who say that, look, it's already too late. AI is beyond the competence of the governments to regulate. They don't understand technology. They are likely to stymie the benefits of AI if they try to step in. So they probably shouldn't even try. And it is absolutely right that it is a tall order to try to regulate these tech companies. But the governments are not beholden to the tech companies. Instead, the tech companies do not have the option of decoupling themselves from the governments. Governments continue to matter, but at the same time, they may need new tools to regulate tech companies effectively. I suppose the example I'm thinking of is here in Australia. The the Commonwealth Government here is in the process of trying to design some regulation for uh, artificial intelligence, just to take one part of, of technology regulation. And actually, there's been a combined response from the big tech companies, including Apple, Google, Twitter, uh, Meta, TikTok, so you know, both Chinese and American tech. In their submission to this call for, for ideas, uh, they're saying, actually, no, the government should look at existing regulation rather than introducing new legislation aimed at regulating AI as a technology. They don't want anything new. So I am not surprised, Hamish. This is the very standard response. These companies see tremendous opportunities for their business from the AI revolution. And they want to engage in this AI arms race and be out there to, to, to get the profits that are available. And so regulation is a prospect that potentially will hinder the ability then to make most of those economic opportunities. So yes, it is very natural that they are warning the governments against regulating them. But there, I would just counter that, this is not just about Australian government trying to regulate technology. The AI is not just about technology, it's also how technology affects democracy and how it affects the fundamental rights of individuals. And I would then argue that the metas of the world and all those tech companies that you mentioned, they mm. have the track record of showing that they are some of the least competent uh, entities to be put in charge of our democracy. So that alone, I think, justifies that Australian government, together with the other, other governments, are indeed taking the chance and deciding that they are the primary rule makers, including on AI. What I find interesting, though, about that combined approach, there's a sort of industry body that represents their interests in a process like this in Australia. It's called Digi. Uh, obviously, they're speaking with one voice on this stuff, but in the context of what of the arguments you're putting forward around these different versions of regulation, I mean, you might assume that a Chinese tech company might want something quite different to an American one. But, but in this instance, no, they're just saying, actually, stay, stay away from us. Don't come near. Yes, I think that's the, the ultimately the American market-driven regulatory model. The idea that, yes, the tech companies 
they draft the regulations, they self-regulate it, and, and we defer to the industry that has the expertise, and that is then the gateway to innovation. And it is understandable why, for instance, the U.S. is hesitant to step in. They are regulating in the shadow of the U.S.-China tech war, and there's a massive competition for technological supremacy, and they don't want to be left behind. The same way that the technology companies themselves don't want to be left behind by being constrained by by the regulators. But but that is, I think, the, the conversation that is going on right now, where there is an attempt to lobby the regulators, they do that very effectively, for instance, in the United States, where money is a big part of the politics and Congress is largely dysfunctional. And, and we see that lobbying uh, being very effective in preventing pretty much any kind of tech regulation emerging in the United States. That is not the case everywhere, though. So the European Union, for instance, has is going to become the first jurisdiction in the world that will be regulating AI with a comprehensive binding AI Act that is expected to be adopted still in the course of this year. So Australia wouldn't be alone as a government uh, moving forward with regulation. Interestingly, in your book, though, you do talk about empires trying to draw other countries into their model of regulation. And I think you suggest that countries outside of these empires are tending to fall into line either behind China's state-driven model or the EU's rights-driven model. Not many are following the US market-driven approach. So I guess the example I'm giving you of, of, of those businesses lobbying here in Australia, I mean, is that an example of where the empires are trying to draw other countries in? Yes, absolutely. So they're all trying to expand the relative spheres of influence across the world. And there are many battleground states or markets, including then Australia, or, uh, that, that would be very critical for all of them. The Americans would like to count on the Australians' tendency often to align with the U.S. politically and also often embracing the more market-driven philosophies. But I think it's been interesting to look at what Australia is doing in, in uh, looking to reform its 1988 Privacy Act, which very much then the reform proposals have resembled the European GDPR, the General Data Protection Regulation, suggesting that Australia is aligning itself very close to the EU as opposed to the American market-driven model. The same if you look at, for instance, the Australian code of practice on disinformation and misinformation. So the way Australians are approaching disinformation online is, again, much more in line with the European rights-driven model than the American model. So I'm not suggesting that Australia would just simply copy everything the EU is doing, but it seems to share the European view that the tech companies cannot be trusted to be put in charge, that we do need to, to ground this digital transformation into rule of law and subject that to democratic oversight by our governments. And do you, in your research, have, have any uh, theories or, or arguments as to why Australia does seem to be veering more towards the European approach on this stuff? Is there a, is there a clear link? So I would just say that the Australians seem to be paying attention to what is happening in the world. So if you look at the, <laughs> the, the track record of these tech companies and the rampant disinformation and hate speech online, if you look at the way they are really uh, uh, squeezing the ability of trusted journalism to shape the news environment within which we operate, 
the constant violations of our data privacy. There is so much evidence that the tech companies are not treating our data responsibly. And that's why even in the United States, the people themselves are starting to question this American techno-libertarian view and, and asking questions whether the US too would need to move away from this market-driven model. There are obvious geopolitical implications to, to all of this, though. I mean, if you take the example of Chinese technology, as you mentioned, this is one of the ways that the Chinese uh, digital empire is attempted to be spread globally. It is through the infrastructure. Obviously, Australia was one of the first countries to say, look, Huawei is is not going to build our 4G network. We're going to be uh, more thoughtful and considered about who builds the, the cabling and who has access to undersea cables and who even uh, provides that sort of technology to our nearest neighbours. And that has led to significant geopolitical tensions and a, a diminishing of the relationship uh, between Australia and, and our biggest trading partner. It's not the only factor, clearly, but it's been a significant issue. Absolutely. I, I think it's been really interesting to watch um, how the countries are making decisions about, for instance, allowing or disallowing Huawei to provide uh, those, those networks and build the infrastructure in the country. And it's very costly for a country like Australia because of your trading relationship with China. But then there are many other countries around the world, for instance, developing countries, that say that, look, we need a path to digital development. China is providing that for us. Their infrastructure is pretty good. And importantly, it is affordable. So, Hamish, there was an interesting conversation between the U.S. government trying to persuade Malaysia, for instance, to abandon uh, Chinese infrastructure. And the response was there, what is there to spy on in Malaysia? So every country just doesn't seem to share these concerns to the same extent. Anu Bradford, it's been fascinating talking. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, Hamish. Anu Bradford is from the Columbia Law School and the author of Digital Empires, the global battle to regulate technology. And in terms of the battle of empires, I note that the Chinese tech giant Huawei has this week filed a lawsuit against a ban on its equipment being used in Portugal's 5G network. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Listen to more great stories that take you beyond the headlines. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.